Welcome to your High Vibration Life podcast with Robin Openshaw, also known online as the Green Smoothie Girl. When you're living your high vibration life, you're healthier in every way. You're more productive, creative, peaceful, and loving. Your high vibration life is calling. And now your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, it's Robin Openshaw and welcome back to Your High Vibration Life. And just a couple of weeks ago, we did an episode on what is new and exciting in functional medicine. And specifically, I was talking about how for eight years now, I've been going to a clinic of biological medicine founded by the famous Dr. Thomas Rao, who has helped bring biological medicine to the US. But here in the US, we call people who practice holistically or people who practice outside of standard of care, standard of care being what you can bill to an insurance code, which tends to be technology, drugs, and surgery. What's going on in functional medicine is pretty exciting. And I have someone I want to introduce to you. I mentioned him in that last episode. And so I want to introduce to you James Maskell. He has the soul of an advocate for the patient, and he also has the mind of an entrepreneur. And he's been very passionate about building a movement and a new medical system capable of dealing with the epidemics that we're dealing with of chronic illness the past couple of decades. His first business, The Evolution of Medicine, helps physicians prepare for the new era of personalized participatory medicine. That sounds pretty good, right? And James' next venture is going to connect patients to these providers in a seamless digital experience. So really excited to introduce you to James and learn a little bit about a summit he has coming up that we are inviting you into about uh, the human genome and all this testing that you hear going on out there. So welcome to the show, James Maskell. Such a pleasure to be here with you, Robin, as ever. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, it's good to chat with you again. And in talking with you a little bit before, I've, I've been really super curious to hear more about what the summit is going to do. You heard the backstory. We've talked about you already a little bit in a previous ep- episode. But how did you end up uh, deciding to do this human genomics summit? How'd you end up here? Well, it's interesting. So, you know, we've been, as, as you said in the intro, we've been preparing the medical community for this new era of predictive participatory medicine for, for four years. We've been, you know, building um, communities of doctors all around the world who are interested in functional medicine. And, you know, functional medicine is is not totally synonymous with other ideas like holistic medicine, alternative medicine. The thing that's different about functional medicine, it has some of the same concepts, but one of the things that sort of separates it is that it's an operating system. It's a it's a system that a doctor can follow uh, that they can do with every patient, which is really important if you're looking to scale something up. You know, if you go to a naturopath or you go to integrated medicine, it's all good. But just know that the, the other naturopath or the other integrated doctor down the road doesn't practice in the same way. And so that can lead to confusion. It can also lead to, you know, that um, it's just not a scalable system. And as I said, we've been trying to create something that's really Really scalable. So for the last two years, I've been going to these awesome conferences about genomics. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Bland is a leader. He puts on this event called the uh, Personalized Lifestyle Medicine Institute Thought Leaders Conference. I went last year and the, the whole topic was on genomics. I've been to two or three other genetics and genomics conferences. And, you know, the, the moment that I decided to do this event, it was back in March and this new ruling came out where 23andMe, which is by far the biggest genetic testing company as far as number of tests that have been done, suddenly announced that they 
uh, won over the FDA. And now that everyone was going to be able to get not just their hereditary data, but their health data too from 23andMe. And this was a big moment for them. Okay, hold on. Hold on. You should tell everyone what 23andMe is because you are super deep in this and not everyone has heard of it. It's so There's so much buzz about it. 23andMe is a genetic testing company. It was started by one of the Wajiki sisters who are, you know, three titans of, you know, intellectualism in Silicon Valley. Their mom is incredible. I'm Esther Wajiki, but yeah, they started started 23andMe and it's essentially a, you know, a, a, uh, a processing, a genetic processing company where you submit some saliva and then you get your genetic information back. And there are another number of companies that do it, but they just sort of like the fastest moving. Most people know about them. So it's called 23andMe. Uh, for $99, you can do like a um, ancestry test and for $199, you can do ancestry now and health risk information. And so this is really the, if you ask people on the street, like, oh, what's the genetic testing company? More people will know that one than anything else. So that's the reason I mentioned it. But thank you for, for drawing me because I am in it now. I've been doing the interviews and, uh, and I've been writing it. So thank you for holding me back on that one. Yeah, but you were, I totally hijacked your talking about how'd you end up getting so yeah, interested so in this. Of, the FDA changed the rules and now said we're going to send out a lot of, you know, this health data as well. And, you know, I think in the functional medicine world and generally, if you're in the, you know, the, the world of working with doctors, I think we all sort of hoped that by the time this was available to everyone where, you know, Moore's law, which is the law that, you know, predicts that, um, that, that, uh, the improvement of quality of, of speed of, um, of computers and the cost of said computers goes down at like an exponential rate. So the cost of genetic testing for the first time is, is sort of reasonable enough that everyone could do it. And I think we all hoped that by the time that was available, there'd be this army of well-informed providers ready to like talk us through our individual genetic tests. They would understand the test. They would understand the implication of the tests. And that's just not the case <laughs> at this moment. There's not an army of these doctors ready to go. And so what I decided to do was, you know, to, to do this summit really to take all of the awesome information that I've been hearing at conferences over the last few years and make it available to anyone online for free. Because there is a new that the the world of genetic testing is is going undergoing and interpreting that genetic test is undergoing a dramatic shift. And I'm happy to talk about that shift. But the shift is really important to understand. And so I needed to essentially make sure that everyone out there could understand what that shift was so that people could make really like responsible decisions with their genetic information. There is a massive opportunity for irresponsible decision making based off genetic information. And so my goal is to be there to be able to communicate the latest understanding of what to do with genetic information and make sure that people use it responsibly. And I saw no one else trying to do that. And so I was just like, okay, I'm going to step in and try and take responsibility for this. And I'm very excited about the way things have come together. And I think that pretty much anyone who listens to it will be way will be empowered rather than seeing this as some sort of like fatalistic, you know, most people don't want to know how they're going to die. That is not what we're talking about right now at all. We're talking about empowering information about who you are as an individual and how you can use that information to make better health decisions like a daily green smoothie. Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of times when you find out your genetic 
code, you find out more about it, which has never been a possibility until, you know, 2017 now with 23andMe and these other genetic, uh, not just tests, but these databases. I mean, the power of it is in the databases, right? It's connecting you to other people all over the world and to, you know, what continents your ancestors came from. It's not tracing it back like I did being raised Uh, Mormon and like sitting down and, you know, writing out my ancestry and we kept track of it and passed it down from generation to generation. It like your genetics tell you that information. Right. But I'm really glad you brought up that generally speaking, that when you get your genetic information, it's not going to be you are going to die of cancer or you are going to die of this rare autoimmune disease. It's giving you some suggestions. And I want you to talk about that a little bit. Because I have, there's someone in my life who is BRCA1 positive and she had, she was diagnosed with stage 2C ovarian cancer, had surgery, and then she decided to have a three-stage double mastectomy because just preventatively, uh, similar to what uh, Angelina Jolie did, I believe. And she would tell me, she wouldn't ask me like, gosh, what can I do preventatively? She would say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I eat. It doesn't, nothing in your world, nothing in the world of functional medicine, nothing in the world of holism, nothing in the world of nutrition can possibly help me because I'm BRCA1 positive. And, and, and I, you know, she didn't want to hear it, so I didn't say it, but you know, it's only 60 something percent of people who have the BRCA1 gene who actually get breast cancer, ovarian cancer. And that's a high number. And that's a, that's one of the genetic markers that everyone's most fearful of women are, but tell us about, tell us about that. Like what, what do we do with genetic information just generally? And you can give some examples if you want, and should we really fear it? So I, yeah, so I, we have to take genetic uh, testing into the context of where it's being used up until now, right? So even back in the 60s and 70s, we started to see the emergence of these genetic counselors who you would go and see, particularly when you were having a child. And what they would be able to do is to find out ahead of time, will this kid have cystic fibrosis, Down syndrome, based off these genetic markers. And so in everyone's mind, you know, the genetics equals things that you're going to have that you will never be able to do anything about. That's the, that's the meme in society is that that's what genetics is about. Now, you know, there was a lot of excitement in, in the late 90s and, and I think it was in 2000 where, you know, Clinton was standing there saying, hey, we've decoded the human genome. And, you know, I think most people felt that it was only going to be a couple of years until we had basically an understanding of the genetic origin of all these diseases and that we'd be able to understand, you know, people, how they get them and why they get them because of their genes. And then we'd be able to do some sort of technological editing of said genes to be able to free mankind of all disease. And I think that was the plan. That's not how it's working out at all. And so that's what I'm here to say. So, so is, is that, you know, what we're seeing and what the research shows is that there are such a small number of genes, and I don't include BRCA1 in this at all, where it is a, it's a fatalistic diagnosis of something happening. And what we're actually starting to see is that not only is the strongest force in your genetic expression epigenetics and epigenetics is probably a word that you've heard spoken about on this podcast and all the way through your work Robin because that's essentially what you're doing when you get people into taking a green smoothie you're 
you know, bathing their genes in a new set of information that allows the, you know, most effective and powerful and healthiest expression of those genes. And so this world of epigenetics has really sort of turned the world of genetics on its head because what we've realized is that the power of controlling the environment is actually much more powerful than the powerful of the genes itself. Now, that being said, the genes do do certain things, but the other thing that we're starting to learn is that it's not just about one gene in isolation or one SNP, a singular nucleotide polymorphism, SNP, SNP, that's sort of like a, 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 you know, as actually on the first day of the summit, if you register, Robin, one of the talks that we've got is basically a glossary because this is a different language, right? This is a different language that you speak. So one of the speakers on the first day is essentially has a 45-minute talk taking us through the most popular words that we're going to use, what's genetic what's genomics, what's epigenetics, what's a genome, what's a SNP, what's a mutation. So we've, you know, we've, we've added a, um, a, a training on the first day so that you can, you know, you can really understand that and use that information for the rest of the week through the education. But what we're finding, Robin, is that by far the majority of, of genetic SNPs are not nearly as powerful as our ability, as far as health outcomes, as our ability to you know, turn on the good, healthy genes, resilience genes, turn off the bad disease genes, all of that is modifiable via lifestyle, via monitoring the, the diet, the sleep, the exercise, the relaxation, the fundamentals of health creation. What, what we're saying is that they're more important than ever. And for the first time, we understand the mechanism by which if you eat better, you know, for a period of time, how does that turn on certain genes, turn off certain genes? So I don't agree with the BRCA1 person. I don't think that it's that kind of thing. I think all of those tests are done with most people eating the standard American diet. I mean, I lost faith in that kind of science when I lived in New Haven, Connecticut, and I saw the kind of people that were going in for those clinical trials. It was like homeless people and students. So like, I don't think that that's real. And I think that if you if you're the person that understands, you know, being able to change one's environment, you can be part of the 40%. And you can almost sort of guarantee that, especially if you understand the BRCA gene in the context of other genes. And so what you see is that there's a lot more of a holistic approach to gene interpretation, because it's not about one gene. It's about how that gene fits into the overall pathway that it's part of, how that overall pathway fits into like the, the organs and systems. And so what we're seeing is that that actually genetic testing now is more like a kind of an early warning signal on what you as an individual need to be wary of uh, rather than any sort of like fatalistic thing that you're going to get this disease. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it actually makes me really excited. It's very hopeful that our genes aren't telling the whole story. Um, I'm super glad that you brought up epigenetics and the fact that our environment, our lifestyle choices are far more powerful than what specific ge genetic pool we we landed in, which genetic soup we landed in. And I and I wonder, you know, I think it was one of your people, Charles Dickens from the motherland over there in England, where you came from, who said yeah. these the you know the, talked about the best of times and the worst of times. Uh, Let's see, Tale of Two Cities, I think, opens with that. And so I wonder, is this the best of times or is this the worst of times in medicine? What does the future of medicine look like to you? You just, you just came out of this immersion experience in interviewing all the great minds who know about human genetics and what we're about to do with it. 
Yeah. So register today. If you register today, you get three free talks, you know, to listen to before it actually starts on August 21st. If you register today, don't listen to me. Go and listen to Dr. Jeffrey Bland. And he can he he equates what's happening today in genetics and this move towards personalized medicine in the same way as personal computing in the 1970s, where like at the beginning it was clumsy and no one really knew who it did. And most people said, this is not going to catch on. I'll never use it. And then, you know, here we are 40 years later and everyone's got a smartphone, right? And there's been that many iterations of the technology since then. And he feels that this is analogous to that, is that we've been doing population medicine for the population and now we're moving into medicine for the individual and the genetic information is going to be driving a lot of the decisions and once we really understand you know the role of 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 lifestyle in gene expression you know what he's surmising and what i agree with and what the what the other reason why i put on this summit is that i believe that functional medicine the operating system is going to be the operating system for this new era of personalized predictive preventive medicine because it's a standard process that people can go through and also because now the cleveland clinic has a functional medicine center and they're showing at that clinic that you get better outcomes at lower cost with functional medicine for the majority of chronic diseases. And so I I see a perfect storm. And so in that way, I think if you're the kind of person that believed in holistic medicine, maybe intuitively, or you're the kind of person that's had good results with it, and you've had to deal with doctors telling you that you're insane, or like any sort of um, feedback from the medical community that's been suboptimal, my feeling is right now is that it's going to be the best of times because the world is coming around to holism, Robin, because guess what? We're not, we're a system. It's a systems approach. And, you know, the lessons that we learn from, you know, understanding ourselves and our, you know, the the way that the body is uh, interconnected are super valuable for ourselves, for our communities and everything. So I think this is the best of times. I think you're going to see, you know, as Gary Vaynerchuk said, the new world is going to eat the old world. And I intend to um, see that happen in medicine. That's exciting because I'm from that school you just described. You know, I was, uh, my little boy was diagnosed failure to thrive. They put him on five courses of liquid steroids. I opted out. I was scorned. I thought that the pediatrician would throw his pen at me when I asked a question about, hey, do you think that dairy and sugar products are mucus forming for this little one-year-old who who is in and out of hospitals and emergency rooms and on a breathing machine every four hours. Like, do you think, what do you think about that? And I thought he was going to throw his pen at me. And, and that was just really just the beginning of some, a lot of, actually it wasn't the beginning. It was three generational of my grandmother being told that she was crazy and she was going to die when she opted out of chemo and radiation and did the Gerson diet and all the strange things that that entails. And so I'm really glad to hear that, that there's a lot of hope. Do you think that more things are going to be paid for by insurance that are outside of the drug approach? Um, yeah, uh, that's a very different topic, and we could go into that. I have very specific thoughts on that. I would love to crush the insurance game too while I'm at it, and I intend to, because I don't think that preventive medicine and insurance go hand in hand, just like the same way that like you don't expect 
you know, we have a very clear idea of what insurance is for in like home insurance and car insurance. It's like paying for stuff when something goes seriously wrong. And, you know, the health insurance is just such an ugly mess. Preventive medicine and insurance don't really go hand in hand for me. The fact that you have to pay out of pocket, I don't think is ideal too. But um, that's a bigger topic for another another day, Robin. And I'll come back onto the podcast when we have an alternative to health insurance that people can buy and use that will crush the insurance companies too because I'm intending to make it. Uh, but it's just a little bit further down the product line uh, from where we are here. But, um, you know, I think that making this kind of care available to more people is definitely my number one priority. And that's with all the work that I'm doing is how do we make functional medicine the operating system so that everyone can benefit from it? Because up until now, it's really been for my friend Robin Burson says the very rich, the very sick and the very green. And those have been the only three kinds of people that have gone for it. We believe that it should be in the hands of everyone. And that's what we're working towards. Okay. So I want you to remind us what your definition of functional medicine is because you took issue with it being sort of holistic. And I also, so I just want to say that at some point, James, let's just make this intention here. Can you help me get somebody on my show to talk about that issue? Because right now we're all signing up for these like Christian ministries. And I'm not sure that I'm not sure that's sustainable. It doesn't, it doesn't feel super sustainable to me in the Christian ministry. So imagine I'll just give you a preview just because your fans deserve the best. Imagine the, the concept of the Christian ministry, but automated with blockchain technology and not run by a bunch of Mennonites in Ohio on paper. Like that's essentially what I'm talking about is like a very technologically driven, but the same kind of idea, which is groups of people getting together to hedge their risk uh, by being a group. I think that's a much more efficient way and it would save most people about 90% on their current health insurance premiums because all that money, it's such a scam. When you look under the hood, Robin, like part of what we're doing in new is educating people how to get the most out of the healthcare system for the least because what most people don't know is that if you if you just show up at your primary care doctor and you've got one of these new high deductible health insurance plans from Obamacare and you're in, let's say your deductible's $5,000, you show up at your primary care office, you give your insurance card and they say, oh, you need these 10 lab tests. And then, you know, they send the bill for those 10 lab tests up to your insurance company, but because you haven't met your deductible, they now ping it back to you and you're responsible for $3,000 of lab testing. But what you don't know is that if you went to those labs directly and said, hey, I want these labs, can I pay cash? That would cost you like $150. It's a 20X markup and that is criminal. And so what we're looking to do is to help people navigate the bullshit system so that they can you know, get the best quality of healthcare for the minimum possible cost. And this is exactly what we're doing. And part of the reason why we're doing this genetic summit is what we've started to realize is that, you know, the, the potential lifetime cost of someone who doesn't know that they're particularly susceptible to, let's say, an environmental insult, like a heavy metal insult. If they if they have some sort of genetic weakness that would mean that they can't detoxify metal, then you know you those people are likely to get metal to contamination and end up with some sort of symptoms, like let's say an autism diagnosis, that costs $3.2 million over the life cycle of care. 
So if you're an economist like me, you think, is there any way that we can help to find who those people are before they take whatever crazy, you know, either medical intervention or if they decide to work at a coal mine or whatever that might be, or a Monsanto plant or a Dow chemical plant and be able to say to those people, look, you are more likely to not be able to process these toxins well. You need to be in a non-toxic environment. That has to be part of the future because the costs of these chronic diseases are so unsustainable and we're intervening way too late. We need to get upstream and and genetic data is the ultimate upstream information. Yeah, not being able to detoxify or not having those detoxification pathways to eliminate the heavy metals. It's one of the most talked about things in functional medicine that the functional practitioners are working on. So define functional practitioner. I know that you're working on a system where they are all, all kind of get on the page because it's kind of the wild west, right? There's naturopathic doctors, there's naturopathic medical doctors, there's chiropractors, there's all yeah. these different disciplines. And that's, I know that's what you're working on, but define functional medicine one more time. Yeah, so let's start, you know, I like to start with integrative medicine. So integrative medicine is the integration of standard of care modalities that you would get if you go to a regular doctor and non-standard of care modalities. So that's kind of like what I interpret as the, you know, the the big umbrella is like, you know, is is doing a mixture of things that are like currently endorsed by medicine and currently not. Uh, Functional medicine is different in that it's a, it's an operating system for chronic, for delivering care. And the sort of the three things that it has in common. One is that it, it expects the part or it relies on the participation of the patient. So it's participatory in that the patient actually has to participate in their health, eating the right thing, sleeping, you know, sleeping properly, relaxing, exercising and all of that. So it's participatory. But it's also it, it, it's focused around a, um, a mutually beneficial relationship between the patient and the practitioner, and it's grounded in a systems uh, way of approaching the body. So, you know, in medicine, we have a sort of like a medicine by histology, right? Where is the problem? If you have a problem in your heart, you go and see a cardiologist. If you have a problem with your hormones, you go and see an endocrinologist. Unfortunately, most chronic diseases are not related to a particular organ or system, and they're actually, you know, it might even be caused in one system and another one. So, for instance, we're seeing Alzheimer's and Parkinson's brain diseases. Now, the new science is showing that they're being caused in the gut. Well, it's a problem if you because your neurologist doesn't read the gastroenterology journals, and so the functional medicine doctor is is schooled in systems biology. And I would say, if you want to sort of, you know, I, the way I like to think of it, it's like a generalist, someone who understands all parts of the body well enough to see the interconnection between them and that systems medicine that is the future of medicine because it doesn't matter whether we're looking at single symptoms and tying together multiple symptoms or whether it's single genetic markers and tying together that into a story the ability to see patterns and do pattern recognition in patients and understand that all of these symptoms may have one common cause is is, is crucial. But if there's one way that I would recommend thinking about functional medicine is a three-word term that I really like, which is root cause resolution. Root cause resolution, where you look for the root cause, you identify that root cause, and you remove that root cause. That, to me, is the essence of functional medicine. Obviously, it's delivered through this partnership and the other things that I said, but root cause resolution is like the the way that I would implant it into your mind as to what functional medicine is. 
That was really, really helpful. Thank you. Because so many banners flying under that same flag. And so that really helped and simplified it for me. Okay, so let's talk about your summit. So people can opt into that if they're hearing this, you know, within a couple of weeks of it airing. And it's all about all the experts out there talking about human genetics testing and what to do with it and what you need to know as a lay person. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. So, you know, there's a few different parts to it. There's, you know, there's obviously, you know, on the first day we have the visionaries talking about like where it's going. We've got Craig Venter who sequenced the human genome. We've got Jeffrey Bland, who I just mentioned. Um, You know, the second day is really dedicated to all the ways that you can improve your genetic expression. So, you know, there are ways through diet, through exercise, through sleep, through, um, you know, even um, sort of learning new skills. Um, you know, there, there's one by Titus Chu, who's a really cool dude. I saw him lecture. He calls uh, sensory genomics, and it's how to use the senses to improve your genetic expression. Super fascinating. And then, you know, we go into later on, we go into sort of like some of the new omics. So, um, you know, one thing to note, and this is a great analogy, I think, for your your people here, you know, Genetics is very much like think about it like a house, right? If you, if someone's ill and you if you want to think of them as a house, you know, does it make sense to you know to understand that the house is falling down from the blueprints alone, right? The genetics is basically like the blueprints of the house, and so you could understand major problems in the house through the blueprints. If you go and look at the blueprints and you're like, well, this wall wasn't even designed right, you can understand why the house is falling down, right? But more often than not, the house is falling down, not because of the blueprints being wrong, but the maintenance being wrong, right? (laughs) So there are new genetic or genomic tests that are coming out right now that look at not the blueprints, but the actual brick and mortar of the house. And that's, you know, later on in the week, we're talking about the new omics. So metabolomics, transcriptomics, which are essentially, instead of measuring the genes themselves, you're measuring the production of the genes. So for instance, in metabolomics, you're measuring you know, the metabolites that come at, at the end of result of you know, processes within the body. And that's really where, you know, where I think this is going in the future. Microbiome omics, understanding the genes of the microbes that are in your gut, you know, and then the composition of those kind of things. So we have a a couple days dedicated to, you know, to the new omics and and specific areas where genetics is interesting, like brain health, heart health. Um, We've got a great session on, you know, type 2 diabetes and blood sugar handling and how genetics relates to that. And then we have a test, we have a day looking at like which genetic test to get and which one would be the right one to get. And then, um, you know, the, the last day, the Sunday is really dedicated to health professionals. And this is, you know, what I'd love all of your community to help on is sign up for the summit, register. And then if you've had, if you've ever had a frustrating moment with your doctor, with any doctor, I would invite you to ask your doctor if the interpreting your genetic summit is right for them, and particularly the summit, uh, the seventh, the, the Sunday, because on that Sunday we're going to be essentially, you know, sharing with doctors the opportunity to become essentially this predictive, preventive medicine doctor of the future in their own hometown. In 
their own footprint. That's what we've been doing for the last four years, Robin, is, is creating structures where doctors could switch to functional medicine. And we feel like the genomic revolution is going to be the catalyst to send many more doctors. But the truth is, you know, in the past, I've only done events for health professionals. This event is mainly for the end user or, you know, apart from that last day. And one of the things we have to understand about genetics is we're all learning as we go along, right? It's not like the doctors know everything and the patients know nothing. No one knows anything about it. It's happening in real time. And so um, that's why I think it's exciting too is because, you know, it sort of creates this level playing field where the the patriarchy isn't the best and you know us little people can be um you know can be affected too yeah i i think it's really exciting that there are so many doctors who are seeing the deficits and wanting to join the functional medicine world and wanting to you know educate themselves higher than what they were just taught in medical school which of course is so proscribed by some specific industries like pharma and so you know it's interesting James, in the last, oh, six or eight months, we have so many people who are following Green Smoothie Girl now because in our spring detox, which is a program that we've now supported over 10,000 people in, we had The Truth About Cancer, Chris Wark, Tom O'Brien, and Isabella Wentz tell their audiences who are all about, you know, these tend to be people who have autoimmune disease or cancer, you know, we had hundreds of thousands of people come to us from those communities to do our detox and had really powerful results. But, you know, our audience has changed because we have this influx of so many people who are following what we do and wanting to learn about human detoxification from me who are talking about the deficits in their care. And so I'm wondering, should people join your summit who are, since we have so many uh, sort of newer followers, not the first nine years of Green Smoothie Girl, but this past year, they're very frustrated that they're not getting answers from their standard of care doctor. Are they going to get some deeper ideas about where they could go to find out what's going on? Because so many of them can't be diagnosed and they have all these aches and pains and symptoms and problems and it's affecting them emotionally that medicine is not giving them answers and accurate diagnoses. Is this going to be helpful for them? super helpful, a guidance in the right direction. And what we're trying to do is build up an army of practitioners that are capable of working with them too on the back end. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. And, you know, we have some, you know, it's not only, um, you know, on the, on the, on the summit, you're going to hear from doctors who are operating in this new operating system of medicine and are recovering people just like them. One of the speakers is doctor in the house, Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, who has basically blown the lid on this whole thing by, he has a TV show in the UK, Robin, called Doctor in the House, where it's basically like Dr. Oz meets Super Nanny. So imagine Dr. Oz comes and lives in your house for like six, six you know, for two months, six weeks. And, um, you know, and what they've seen is that people have been recovering from all these illnesses to in, in six weeks because the diagnosis the, basically, what these all these people have in common is that they're going to see doctors who are treating their chronic disease through the same lens and operating system as acute disease, right? Name it, blame it, and shame it, and tame it, 
right? That role, a pill for every ill, and it doesn't work in chronic disease. And so all these people, like from Truth About Cancer, you know, Isabella Wentz's group, you know, these guys have chronic disease and they need an operating system that understands how they got there and how to get them back. That is functional medicine. At this moment, there's a big demand and supply issue in functional medicine is that there's so much demand for it because of books like Mark Hyman and Dave Asprey and all these other people who are saying, go and see a functional medicine doctor. So there's tons of demand, but the supply is limited. And at this summit, we're launching a new service, which is essentially functional medicine for everyone. And we, I've been thinking about this for seven years. I realized that I had to build the network of doctors because we had to get more doctors. There was, there's, no, there's not enough to build any kind of system for, but I'm really excited to launch it here. So all of those people absolutely come and learn. You're going to learn about new things that are important in taking care of your health. I just have to give a shout out to one particular talk um, by this guy called George Slavich. And I spoke about it in my book um, a lot. But if I told you, Robin, that the strength and quality of your personal relationships was a bigger driver of mortality than what you eat, whether you drink, whether you smoke, or whether you exercise, you'd probably say, you know, that's bullshit because you know how important those things are to health. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's true. And so, you know, for some people, they can be doing all the right things, but guess what? They're lonely. And those lonely, the loneliness ends up driving through a genetic process called human social genomics or, you know, through the genetic process, you know, develops more inflammatory cytokines that get called or, you know, Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And so, you know, if you really want to get to the root cause of things, you're going to have to understand that part of it. And we've got that topic in the summit too. And it's super fascinating, the work they're doing at UCLA Stress Lab. And I'm really excited to share it with the world because I feel like this might actually be the biggest deficit in modern America. You know, we all live in our own little houses. We all think we have to have our own lawnmower. We're all, you know, you know, we all source our things now from like random strangers, right? You know, you, the Uber comes, you don't know that guy, you stay in someone's an Airbnb. Like we, we, we don't have the same kind of quality of connection that we used to. And that's a huge opportunity for health creation. And that's some of the work that I want to do is to, you know, is to help doctors to understand that, but also, you know, I think the healthiest thing that anyone could do is to find someone else who wants to be healthy and become friends with them because that accountability, that support, that vulnerability is truly healthy and transformational, but also free. Well, and that's very fitting. That's a great uh, point to segue to uh, inviting folks into your summit is you are on the Your High Vibration life podcast. And you know, you're exactly right. I wouldn't discount that at all. And I'm looking forward to seeing more data and more evidence that the strength and quality of our relationships and our connections and our communities that we that we live in, um, and our sense of purpose, it's more than that, it's our sense of purpose is foundational to our physical health. It's um, I mean, I'm a psychotherapist. So of course, I love that whole topic. And the book vibe is very much in keeping with what you're exploring in some of your later days in your summit, because 
you know, as you raise your vibration, it's not just that you drank enough green juice or that you ate enough plants. Those are huge. But you look at the blue zones, all five of those most long living communities in the world, they didn't just eat a lot of plants. I'm, everybody knows I'm a big fan of eating more plants, finding ways to do it, finding the easy ways, finding the organic ways. But all five of those communities were also people who were connected to three generations. They could walk around and go visit a friend. They had meaningful uh, relationships of depth. And so I think you've hit on something really important. And I'm really excited to hear that talk in your summit. So I love to sign up for a really good summit. I don't promote very many of them, but I believe in James and what he's doing. I believe he's mission and purpose driven. And he's uh, on a mission to make functional medicine or these kinds of medicine that have been out of reach for people who are limited by their insurance and, and don't ha- haven't been educated in what else is available out there, making it more accessible to all of us. So sign up at greensmoothiegirl.com slash genetics, greensmoothiegirl.com slash genetics. And so James, tell us just a couple more things you're excited about that are going to be in the summit coming up in August. Yeah. So when you register, you will get an awesome guide that we prepared called for free. It's called the 10 ways to save money on healthcare in the Trump era and beyond. So it's a book that I put together, basically bringing together all of the best strategies that we've seen, paying cash, being part of a healthcare sharing ministry, um, not getting a chronic disease that's lifestyle driven. Like, you know, we put together a great guide on that and that's super valuable. And then with the summit itself, you know, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I'm, there's a, there's a great talk in there uh, from, um, you know, from, well, there's all kinds of cool stuff in there, but some that might be particularly interesting to your group is looking at methylation. So methylation is a sort of an understanding of how the body detoxifies. And uh, one of the things, if you sign up, one of the things you'll get to see, I actually did something a bit wacky, Robin. I had my, I did all my genetic testing and I had my genetics interpreted. And as part of the summit, you'll actually get to see me having my genetics interpreted live. And when I did it, because I've done, I did it last week, I recorded it. I had no idea what it was going to say. Like I asked her to tell me, look, am I, you know, do I have cystic fibrosis or something? Like, do I have something that's really bad? And and the answer was no, but I was like, okay, I'm going to record this in real time. And I have to say, I wasn't really sure what to expect, honestly. I, I, I didn't really know what I'd hear. But there was some super empowering information that came as a result of it. Um, you know, one thing that I've always struggled with is weight. And what I realized from my genetic test is that, like, my satiation is is dysfunctional so like i could sit if i'm in like a buffet situation i could eat a ridiculous amount of food and not even realize that i've done it because other people would be satiated by one slice of pizza whereas i could eat like a whole pizza now i've known that about myself and i just put it down to the fact that i don't know i'm like incompetent or felt bad about myself for it but it was really empowering to see that no that's a genetic susceptibility based on the way that i process fats and you know the satiety and so like now I know not to put myself in a position where I could eat an unlimited amount of food, like a buffet or a dinner where it's whatever. And so like, you know, knowing these things about myself, I can control my environment to a degree that I made, that I put myself in the position to make the right choices. So, you know, it was super empowering for me and you'll be able to hear that. We'll give recommendations of like which 
tests to get, you know, whether you want to do genetics or you want to do metabolomics, more and more labs are going directly to consumers. So you can order them and you can, you know, look at that information, but it's also early days. But I would say, you know, understanding this at the beginning is useful. And I just saw this ad the other day and I have to just add the in Robin, I had the, I saw this video on Facebook the other day where they took people who were very nationalistic about themselves, whether they thought they were like a hundred percent whatever they think themselves. Like in your case, you know, Mormon, you think you're like you know a hundred percent. You trace the bloodlines, and then you start looking at your genetic profile, and you realize actually most of us are a mixture of a lot of different things. And I have to say, I think it could that by itself could be a super empowering way of reducing racism, right? Because if everyone realizes they're a bit of everything, you know, it's much easier, it's much more difficult to think that there's a them and an us and we're right and they're wrong. And so I think the potential for this movement is is not just in health, but in, you know, in, in solving some of our deeper social conflicts. And so I'm just really proud to be putting this out into the world. And I think that the, there's going to, I feel like the, the response is going to be very strong. And I feel like on average, this is going to be sort of a net positive to uh, to medicine and to society. Well, it's really exciting. I have I have one more question because that's a great that's a great thought that you know we sort of put ourselves in little file folders. And I've always thought that my people all came from Sweden and England. I am I am you know I go back to to people on the European continent. But wouldn't it be cool if I found out that I got a little exotic Indian or African in me? Um, that would, it certainly would make you feel more connected to the universe, which we need so much more of. We are we are electron exchanging with people on in other parts of the universe, uh, living beings and people on the other side of our continent or the world. And so I love anything that flattens flattens that for us. So tell me, is it going to be in the summit? Or if not, can you uh, give me a little tip here? Give my readers a little bit of, of information about if I get one of these tests, my understanding is it's pretty complicated and a layperson can't just look at it and, and know what to do with it. Are you going to tell us who to get to interpret it? Because I hear that a lot of functional practitioners are getting a lot of deep training to be able to do that. And like you said, there's a scarcity of people out there and lots more people who want access to functional medicine than can actually get it. If you don't have anything in the summit for that, any thoughts before we go? Yeah, we do have that. And, and actually, the, I want to just maybe give a spoiler alert to one of the things that you'll learn in the summit. So what I would be very wary of is any company that like will do your genetic testing and then recommend supplements off the back of it, you know, just without any physician. That is happening. And that speaks to what I would say is like era of 1.0 of genetics or maybe 2.0 or whatever, where everyone thought that the individual SNPs were really important. And many doctors, even in functional medicine, went down the route of getting people's genetic testing and treating the SNPs, seeing what SNPs they had and treating them. That is emerging as not being the best plan. That hasn't worked. It hasn't improved outcomes. What is working and what does improve outcomes is using this information in the context of more um, more solid information. Let me give you an example. And this is an example that was given a few times during the summit. Like people went crazy for M. MTHFR. Yep. So MTHFR is a gene mutation. Lots of people know about it. If you have certain mutations, you're not going to be as effective at detoxing mercury. So that's just what MTHFR does. So now there's plenty of places where you can go, where you can go and get your MTHFR tested. And then as a result of that MTHFR test, suddenly now you're going to take, you know, a bunch of 
folate because that's what it demands. Now, that doesn't, that's not the, the end of the result because what you really need to do is you need to take that MTHFR test. And if you are positive, you need to see what it's actually doing in your biomarkers. You need to go into the house and see what's going on. And typically what you'll see is if, if the MTHFR is reducing the detoxification, the knock-on effect will be something like raised homocysteine that is causing you know all these different things. And so, you know, my recommendation is that, you know, we're building, you know, I I do think that by and large, most functional medicine and doctors are doing the right type of thing. We will have a recommendation list of practitioners, but ultimately, Robin, we are building that with new. We want to be the lowest, you know, we want to be a place where people can get that kind of information and have a health professional that helps them interpret it. It may not be a doctor, but what it will be is super empowering and will help you to take action in the right direction We'll individualize, individualize it for you. And our goal with what we're doing in all of our organizations is to facilitate the, an army that is capable of helping people with this kind of stuff. Uh, it's not going to look exactly like you expect it to look, but we're, we're building it and we're launching it at this summit. Glad you touched on a couple things there, one of which was you and I before our interview were talking about, because you and I have known each other for a couple of years. And I was talking about how one of my frustrations with functional practitioners, and I was sending people here locally to someone just because of the types of treatments that this this clinic offered. And there aren't very many who do, and there are types of treatments that I believe in. I was sending people there. And then I went there myself when I lost my hormone practitioner and had a really bad experience. And I was telling you how it seems like some of them, you know, they, they test for MTHFR and then they slot you into whatever their supplement is that they sell. And there's nothing wrong with supplements. My point here is not if someone sells you a supplement, they're a quack. That's not my point. My point is I would like that my practitioner does more with my lab results than slot me into a suite of products that they rep for. That's my point. And so glad you mentioned that because I asked Libby Darnell, who is a practitioner in Chicago. She's fantastic. We're coming out with a protect yourself from EMF video course soon. Totally love that girl. And she told me I was driving her to the airport and I said, how many people have MTHFR? And she said, because she was talking a lot about it and how she, uh, tests for it. And uh, a colleague of hers who's getting some deep training in how to decode these genetic tests and help people with their with their testing. And she said, 90% of people have the MTHFR SNP. So I mean, there's worse and there's better even within that. So so let's not let's let's end on let's not use our genetics to uh, give up to be to lack hope. Uh, let's recognize that 90% of it is our lifestyle and there's so much we can do. And let's look at genetics as another set of clues. Uh, anything else you want to say, James? No, just thank you. Thank you. Green smoothie girl community. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to, you know, uh, the future of medicine is, you know, does include you, Robin. You know, that's one of the things that I think we really have to see is that if you're the person that's inspiring people to make changes and improve their health, like you're a part of this new medical system that we're creating and all the people that are following you and I'm taking your recommendations are, you know, this is kind of what the new system looks like. Content is a part of it. Community is a part of it. Coaching is a part of it. You know, all of these things can happen in between you and the medical system. And I think the biggest thing that we're looking to do is just develop trust because trust has been abused by medicine and no one really has like um, a a fiduciary, right? You know, Tony Robbins really blew the line on the fact that 
that most in in investing, you think you have an investor who's a fiduciary or an investor guidance, but actually he's selling his thing off the back, his mutual fund or whatever. It's the same thing in medicine. And we've got to develop trust. And that's, I hope that this genetic summit will go further into helping people to trust, you know, what we're doing. And over time, building this asset of trust is our number one goal. So thanks for having me on. Thanks for doing all the work you do. It's been such a, a pleasure to be part of the show. And, um, you know, look forward to welcoming you guys on the summit. Well, it's lovely to have you too, James. And I'm look for, looking forward to seeing you soon. I think I see you next week. And thanks so much, James. And everybody go live your high vibration life. 